Views expressed in this podcast belong solely to Brown Girl Health team members. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to discriminate against anyone. Hi everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Brown Girl Health podcast. My name is Shivani. My name is Amik. And we are the hosts of this podcast. I would like to encourage you all to join the Brown Girl Health community by following us on Instagram at brown.girl.health and Twitter at bghtweets and subscribing to our YouTube channel. Their links are in the description as well. In today's episode, Shivani and I will be talking about Kamala Harris and what her election as Vice President of the United States means to the South Asian community and brown women in the U.S. Today we're joined by Dwani, one of our other members and head of our research team. We're going to be excited to share some of our views on VP Harris's inauguration earlier this year. Hi everyone, I'm Dwani and I'm super excited to join you guys today. For me, Kamala Harris's inauguration feels especially important because she's a woman of color and particularly one with a South Asian background, holding one of the most powerful positions in government. Although we've heard a lot about Kamala Harris over the last couple of months, there were still a lot of things that I personally didn't know about her until I started doing research for this episode. So maybe to start off, we can talk a little bit about Kamala Harris, her background, and other accomplishments prior to becoming VP of the United States. So it's really interesting because um, Kamala Harris is from Oakland, California, and the reason why she was there is because her mother, Shamala, was a biologist that was a professor at UC Berkeley and a researcher there. Um, And I'm a Berkeley alum, so I guess go Bears. Um, But I I find that really interesting because she was a breast cancer researcher, and I think that really ties in the whole brown girl health thing, just a little connection right there. Um, And... I don't know. I guess one other thing about her background that really surprised me was when at the 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 debate that she had last year when she was running for office, it was against Biden and there was this whole thing with the busing system. Um and people were really like surprised that she really stood up right like out there and talked and like kind of questioned him on his stance with the whole busing system. Um So that was really interesting. And then there's also the whole thing about her background where she's African-American and also South Asian. And she herself proclaims as she's just American. And I think that's really commendable as well and really important stance to make. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's so easy to get caught up in like her heritage and her background that we sometimes forget that she's American and that's the most important part of her identity in terms of being VP of the United States. Um, and I think like everything that she's done is so commendable and like you were saying um, when she stood up at the debate I think it just goes to show that even now like women are not necessarily allowed to or they're not given the freedom to express their views in the ways that many men are able to do and so I guess a lot of people and I hate to say it but a lot of people were shocked to even like see her stand up for herself and um, speak her voice out in her campaign. Absolutely. I mean, do you remember even, I think it was during the VP debate, um, people were still trying to speak over her and silence her and not letting her express her ideas as she was a vice presidential candidate. Oh yeah, my favorite quote was when she was like, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. And you know, that became like a whole meme and then it became this like whole community of people who were like standing up and sharing their stories about when they were silenced. And it's so empowering to see that. We would never have been able to see something like that in a campaign before because women weren't even really given that opportunity, you know, to 
run for vice president. And even if they were, um, they didn't really go too far in the race. So it's very, very inspiring. That was honestly the best moment of that night. I remember just her saying that was like, she has a voice and that's an important voice. And it just, that, what two words I'm speaking was very powerful in that sense. So I'm really like, I remember like coming out of that and being like, wow. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this as well. But at the same time, like it's 2021. It's not great that she even had to say that in the first place. We always think that we've made so much progress in our country and that things like this shouldn't be allowed anymore. But clearly there's been so much backlash coming from so many people within our country. And it just makes me think that maybe we haven't reached the point that we think we've reached. And it's probably going to take some more time. And this is just a stepping stone in the right direction. So hopefully by the end of her term, she does receive more support than she did during her campaign. That's completely fair. And I mean, personally, I don't necessarily agree with all of her policies. Like there have been points in the past, which I've definitely disagreed with. But at the same time, um, it's undeniable that she's faced so much more sexism and racism from the public than many other candidates did. So it was harder for her to get to where she is. And then there's this quote where I think she it's like her mother told her, like, you may be the first to do things, but you shouldn't be the last. And from being a South Asian like woman of South Asian descent in America, hearing something like this is empowering because not only do you want to get to these places, but you want to be able to open opportunities up for other people who have similar identities and who are not necessarily put in these places where they can easily get to places like this. And being vice president of the United States with such an amazing identity and such a different background than traditional presidents have been. It took two and a half centuries for a woman to be here. Um, And now that she's here and she's a woman of color, I just, I'm very much empowered by that. And being a university student, I'm sure both of you also kind of agree in that sense that now we're at this place where we're finding what paths that we want to pursue and we shouldn't feel limited by anything because if she can do it she's going to open up these opportunities for us as well and so she won't be the last and i was thinking about this the other day but um it's so crazy that in in a couple of generations kids who are going to be born this year they'll never have lived in a country where a female vice president wasn't possible and for us growing up it was always kind of like we thought that you know, there was like white men in place in this position and that kind of changed with President Obama back in 2008. But now all of a sudden we see someone who looks like us as vice president. And I think it's going to be a huge change in the way that future generations see our country and um, our government administration. Absolutely. But I also think it's going to take a lot more than just having one person in that position of power to cause that change I mean like as Amik was saying like you know she's isn't perfect and definitely deserves criticism like you know politicians should be held to a higher standard but I think a lot of her critics are so much more vocal than they would be if she were like a white woman or a white man and it's like absolutely ridiculous that we finally get to this place where we have a non-white man as our vice president and they're still facing so much more trouble getting their voice heard and What's really surprising to me is that people are still having a hard time wrapping their heads around it. Like we all knew this would be a possibility that she would become VP. And now that she's VP, people are still so hesitant to accept her in this position, which is just very crazy to me. I mean, to be fair, part of me still can't believe she's our VP, but like for completely different reasons, you know, like growing up, our exposure to South Asians were like 
limited to just like the nerdy characters on TV or like Baljeet on Phineas and Ferb. So, so to see someone named like Kamala Devi Harris gaining respect and holding a title like VP of the United States, it really does mean a lot to my younger self. But it's also like every time I think about it, I'm still a little bit shocked. Yeah, and to just go off of that, I think it's also so important for us to remember um, that she is a black woman and she, you know, is an American. And that's not something we should forget. I definitely see like our South Asian community is trying to accept her more and like say she's South Asian, but there's definitely um, a different part of her identity that we must address. I completely agree with that. You know, I've seen a lot of South Asians ecstatic over her win. There were like so many memes, I think. Her mother's village in India like had some sort of offering for her. It was on the news. Um, but there's still so much racism and colorism within the community, and I can't help but wonder if they ignore the fact that she's black. And I also want to kind of think about, you know, there, there's some people who, like people outside of the South Asian community, how did they perceive her? Because I found this really interesting quote, and it was by a professor at Rutgers University, and it was like someone who like specializes in this sort of stuff. It was something along the lines of, though that she's like this person with a very like complicated, different sort of identity, um, there's this tendency that a lot of people see the African-American part about it, and then they think about like the hierarchy of races, and then they'll choose the one that's perceived lower in this in society and like associate her with that identity so people have traditionally perceived her more as black than south asian so i I kind of i'm curious to see how is that perception still relevant now that she is vice president and given that the south asian community you know mostly from what i've seen associates her as mostly just south asian i think that's really interesting and how has she leveraged the south asian community with votes because she had this whole collaboration with like mindy kaling and they were, like, making, like, dosa and, like, in an apartment talking about their in, in cultures. So there's this whole thing to, like, wrap your head around, like, what do people, like, actually associate with her and why does that really matter? I definitely agree. I think as a society, as a whole, we have to acknowledge both parts of her identity. Like, she's not just Indian and she's not just Black. She is both and she's American and that is a very unique experience that has shaped a lot of who she is and a lot of what policy she'll be pushing and things like that and you know just to ignore half of her identity regardless if like you associate her more with one than the other like just ignore the other half is just plain racist like you can't do that and um as far as the south asian community goes like as you were saying i it's really interesting to see that they do only uh, um actually perceive her as south asian like there was this whatsapp board going around earlier this month and like it was pretty bad. They basically attempted to criticize her achievements and by saying that she's mixed race and not fully Indian or whatever. And it was basically saying, like, our community shouldn't be embracing her because of that. Like, and that just completely, like, I was completely shocked that that kind of behavior is still being tolerated, especially with everything that happened in the past year. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think last year we saw the South Asian community really come out and support, um, you know, the protests that were happening and really stand up for um, the Black Lives Matter movement. But now all of a sudden, we're kind of going back to this colorism that kind of exists in our um, society. And I really want to see how that does change with time. And I really hope that we don't um, focus on her race or her ethnicity as much and really think about what it means for her to be VP um, of our country 
and what she can do moving forward. You know, interestingly enough, um, when I was doing some searching online, I found that the executive director of a very known nonprofit group, the South Asians Americans Leading Together, also known as SALT, um, they suggested that Harris's nomination, and I quote, is an opportunity to look at the issue of anti-black racism in our community. The deeply seated anti-black racism in the South Asian community is often not a welcoming place for those who identify as black, and confronting that racism should be the priority of the South Asian American community right now, especially given the current movement to expose and eliminate police violence. And I think that really just ties into what you were just saying, Shivani, about like the Black Lives Matter movement, because we did see even celebrities in India were supporting like BLM, BLM and they're not even, you know, from the country. So it, now that we're doing, taking steps like this, um, how can we kind of take it to another level and like completely take it out? And I think along with that comes in ties of like complexionism, because I think especially like back in India, like fair and lovely is still a thing that sells a lot. They renamed the thing, but it's still like crazy. Right. And like things like that are like very, like kind of irrelevant to this, but also still very relevant because they're hints of what, um, what really Indians perceive like different complexions or darker complexions to be in that ultimately also turns into like racism of sorts, especially when they immigrate to like America, for example. Yeah, and I think that it, that just goes to show that the few months of protest and petition signing that happened last year isn't enough. Um, we still definitely need to be putting in more work in our home and in our communities, um, plus having those tough conversations. I think it's so important. We need to educate ourselves um, and you know ask for help when we need it to understand some issues, but also really make sure that we're educating ourselves and those around us and in order to ensure that our behavior towards this is being changed. But having a woman and particularly a woman of color in her position, like there's still so much that can that she can advocate for and like experiences that she can bring to the table, especially in terms of healthcare, which is I think something our page is particularly interested in. Yeah, for sure. I think something that's already happened was like the moment Biden came into office, there was what so many different um not healthcare related, but so many different legislation, like it's just all changed, right? And a lot of it had to do with COVID-19, but specifically in terms of women's health, I think given that there is a woman who's the vice president of the United States now, there's so much scope for what can be done because there's always been that argument, like women should be the ones to decide what's happening with their bodies. And it's always directed at the Supreme Court and how majority of that court isn't necessarily like they aren't women, right? So that's really interesting. But I think what really like appealed to me recently is how there's a lot more progress on things like the Affordable Care Act. And I think being a woman of color and like being in that sort of position um, in a community that's most vulnerable to a lot of things, the Affordable Care Act has been so beneficial to people of minority communities. So it's really great to see that the Care Act covers more access to things like preventative care and contraceptives preventive care and contraceptives, um, as well as they also repealed the Hyde Amendment, which I thought was even more interesting because that blocks public funding for things like abortions under Medicaid, except for cases that involve rape, incest, or if the pregnancy threatens the mother's life. And this amendment used to be approved every year, and that's already something that kind of changes with this whole Biden-Harris being in office. 
And it's about time that happened, too. I mean, abortion was legalized in, what, like, 1973, and it's taken so long for people to realize that it actually is a fundamental um, healthcare right for women to have safe access to abortion. And I think this administration is going to do a lot, um, not just in terms of that, but, like, also just in healthcare in general, as you said, Amik, like, just to make sure that everyone has access to it. Um, everyone, you know, can get the care they need. They're not struggling to pay their bills and things like that. Um, I actually have a lot of hope that this administration can do a lot to change the way the healthcare system is run in this country because I think that is a problem. It is a problem. And I think people on both sides of the aisle can agree with that. So I'm looking forward to see what they do. Because it's not necessarily just a political question of pro-life and pro-choice. It's also safety of women because... Um, there was a research study that I like recently read and it was something along the lines of women who are denied abortions, they um, tend to have poor mental health, poor financial like finances in general, um, and their emotional health is really affected because now they have this child and they are not properly equipped to take care of the child and there's like a lot of things that come out with that. Um, and then there's also this idea of just finances in general. There's the global gag rule, which was just rescinded as well with the Biden-Harris presidency. And that's talking about how any health organization um, around the world doesn't get as much funding if they provide um, services related to abortions. But now that that gag rule is rescinded, like now these um, organizations are not affected with their overall funding with abortions. So that's really interesting. So economically, like, what are these changes? Like, what are the effects of these changes? Oh, absolutely. I completely agree that it does have a huge impact in, like, not just healthcare, but, like, in all sorts of sectors. And I think it's really good that they are taking steps to address this because healthcare inequality is bad in America, but in other countries it could be worse. And healthcare nonprofits that do work in areas that need the help, like, it's just not fair to withhold funds from them because they're provi- providing what is essentially a necessary medical service. And it's not even, I know this is backed up by research, but just, like, common sense says that if people don't have safe access to abortions, right, they're going to find a way to have one anyway. And that can just lead to maternal m- mortality and all kinds of unsafe procedures, you know, bribery, um, it, it can just put so many more people's lives in danger and it it just makes a lot more sense to you know couple easy access to um this type of healthcare along with education and things if to make sure that people are making responsible decisions for them and if that's having an abortion it's having an abortion if it's um carrying the child to term it's doing that and we need to support people in whatever choice they make um and i do think this administration will be taking steps to do that, but I also am interested to see how and how, what they prioritize. No, and I think even just, you know, getting back out of, like, women's health and abortions and all of that, I think something really important and noteworthy is this idea of accessibility for healthcare, right, and making sure that every community is able to get, like, whatever they need to have good health. Um, and one thing with with, with Vice President Harris is that she co-sponsored um, Bernie Sanders' bill in 2017, which was Medicare for All. So she was one of the first Democrats to sign onto the single-payer bill, which I think is very interesting. It shows a lot about her stance and wanting to commit to get health care to all these people. Um, and then she also, in the presidential primary, she initially doubled down on the idea of eliminating private health 
insurance, but then she later backtracked from that. So that's very interesting. Um, but she also had a plan that called to shift for an expanded Medicare system over a 10 year period. So there's just all of this stuff. And especially with Medicare, like these are all very complicated topics and all these politicians have so many different stances for it. But I think something really nice about her stance is that she's committing to just wanting to get important health care or good health care to any sort of community, um, which is important. While I agree with that, it is a warning sign to me that she has changed her mind on, like, she has that big general position, but she has changed her mind on, like, medic going from Medicare to all to, like, not in, not eliminating private insurance and so on and so forth. And it, um, you know, she's a politician. That is her profession. And politicians, you know, they, they, they do their job by networking, by making compromises and things. But I think as people who she is serving it is up to us to hold her accountable to these things and you know make making sure that they're not compromising on things that can be detrimental um whatever your stance on that is right and so it is a little bit of a red flag to me that she has changed her position on that but I also agree and I think generally this administration will move things in a better to a better position it's just how far are they willing to go for sure and I just wanted to add, like, I 100% agree with what you mean with the politicians and the backtracking and all the wishy-washy stuff, especially with healthcare. Um, but I have to say, I think my most favorite thing about Kamala Harris and what she's done with healthcare um, is addressing the social determinants of health um, and, like, policies that address, like, public health specifically, because that really ties into accessibility of health. And what I'm referring to is that... Um, this kind of goes back into what we were previously talking about with her identity and all of that. But um, a fact is that the maternal mortality crisis in the U.S. has left black women three times as likely to die from complications of pregnancy than white women. And Vice President Harris at some point called for investments to address this. She and other members of the Black Maternal Health Caucus introduced the Black Maternal Health Momnibus Act, which makes investments in social determinants of health, community-based organizations, and the growth and diversification of the perinatal workforce. So just putting in these investments as a politician just shows, goes to show that she really does care about specific things like this. And this ties into women's health. Um, ties into equity health equity and I really commend her for that and I think just reading that earlier made me very um you know happy to see that woman like this is in office because this is kind of like a sign with that whole thing that we had earlier that she might be the first to get to this pedestal but now like being able to use that to help her own like to help certain communities in general just means a lot definitely and um in terms of like social determinants determinants of health um I actually took a class about this like about maternal and infant mortality and it was so interesting to see the reason why we have all of these disparities in healthcare. um and I think the biggest one is there's already this like institutional racism that exists within our country and a lot of people are actually scared to go to doctors and reach out to get that help because of the way that they've been treated in the past and their ancestors have been treated in the past and hopefully by seeing someone like her in office um, people can feel more comfortable about seeking help um, especially with health care and I just I just think that's something that's really important. Going off of her public health record, I absolutely agree. I'm glad she's taking steps to 
address inequalities and blatant discrimination that should be completely unacceptable within the system. However, we can't, you know, solely praise that without addressing other parts of her record, which includes her work with communities of color in other ways, economically, socially. She was DA and then AG of California for a while, and a lot of people are completely turned off by that because of the policy she upheld while in that position, like increasing the incarceration rate or certain cases her office prosecuted. So while some might be more trustful of the healthcare system, knowing that someone is probably working within it to make sure things are equitable and advocating for them, others from those exact same communities may very well not be, and frankly, they have every right to be distrustful. And a different... And I definitely think, even from a medical perspective, we absolutely do have to hold her accountable to those things because it's not just a hospital or medical setting that affects healthcare. All kinds of factors affect it, like your race, your socioeconomic status, the environment you live in. All of these things contribute to how you interact with the world and, more importantly, how they perceive you. And in the case of like healthcare specifically, it affects to what extent they're going to take you seriously and give you the care you need. It's all tied up together, so it's super important that we advocate for changes in all parts of, in all parts of society. So I think something really interesting, and I think that I can't really avoid when it comes to Kamala Harris, is um, being a Sikh and being part of the Sikh community. There was an instance where um, when she was working in California's attorney general, she had a little bit of a troubled history with like criminal justice and civil rights, and specifically to the Sikh community, which is part of you know the South Asian conglomeration, um, was her not allowing someone to keep his um, articles of faith. Um, when it came to uh, getting a certain job, there was a job that required gas mask fitting. And part of the Sikh community um, is that you have to keep facial hair and you can't. She was trying to mandate that you have to completely shave it off in order to like do this job. And that's really an infringement of this idea of like freedom of religion and something, especially after 9-11 when this happened, was something that was already grappling with like the Sikh community and other South Asian communities too, because they were all in this place of a lot of like hate crimes were occurring. And a lot of racism had like kind of peaked right after 9-11, especially against, um, you know, an Indian community as well. So there was that, and it just reeked of discrimination and was alarming to read something of like that. This is before she even ran for president when I read this, but that was interesting, and that happened when she was attorney general. Um, But now that she is vice president, I think that it's important to reiterate that no one in America should have to make a decision between, like, practicing their faith and, like, having like a job and like as someone who has such a unique background and heritage as her she is in this position where she can make like certain decisions that can affect communities like this and she probably has a sort of humility when it comes to approaching topics like these um but in order to like change up things because like like we said before she's not perfect and that's absolutely fine but Um, in general for South Asians, my hope is that like more South Asians and specifically my own community really have more amplified voice when it comes to political decisions like these and even women in general. Um, And she's really a step up to making, getting like, you know, that voice to help guide these decisions. But it's important that we start taking up more space at like this decision making table and like do more than just um, be there and like amplify and like keep on amplifying and with that um, a lot more difference can be made like I completely agree with you Amik but 
I, th- I definitely am a strong believer in the fact that representation is good only if the, you know, the people we are heralding as representation are doing, putting in the work to um, uplift the communities that they are from. And um, I'm not saying that she hasn't done that, but as you said, there are shortcomings and we do have to hold her accountable for that. I think despite the shortcomings, though, um, it's, it's great to know that, you know, she's there. Um, and because she's there, she's in this unique position and she can make all these legislative changes. Um, and she kind of has with the maternal health and black woman. And she has really made this effort to reach out to the South Asian community when she was in that Mindy Kaling video or even in general when she talks about her mother and like going to India. And there is all of this stuff that really like kind of shows that her heritage really is been a guiding point for her when she's made these decisions and I think having such an amazing and unique background like that is still like a place with a lot of positivity and a lot of potential out there Um, so I'm very excited to see how these next four years go when she's in office um, and maybe even longer oh yeah absolutely I'm definitely looking forward to seeing um, what she does I do have high hopes for her and the Biden administration in general and Um, I think there's a lot of potential for good work here. Thank you so much, Dwani, for being on our episode today. It was great talking to you. Um, And we really hope to see you on future episodes. Um, And so I just want to end off this episode with a quote from Kamala Harris. And I hope you guys will all keep this in mind in your future endeavors. But what she said was, what I want young women and girls to know is you are powerful and your voice matters. (music) 